You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Professor Trent Nichols and I hanging out all by ourselves, man. It's lonely in here, Trent. It's lonely and cold. It is cold, man. I think I'm going to run out during one of the breaks and snatch up a hoodie or something. (laughs) So I don't know if you realize this about me, Professor. I am not a believer in coincidence. You're not? No. No, well, that's a coincidence. Actually, Neither am I. Oh, wow. ah. <laughs> I um, I'm not a believer in coincidence, and I, and I have, I would not characterize myself as a conspiracy theorist. Although oh, I love conspiracies, on. I, I, I man, uh, those guys are just a little too tin hat for me. You know what I mean? But. Here's the thing. We've we've had some fun with Urban Meyer over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I know some things that a lot of people don't know. However, I want to make sure that for anybody that listens to the show regularly, they understand that with all of the gravitas I can muster, I feel genuinely bad for Urban Meyer from a health standpoint if the whole cyst on his brain is as big a deal as it's being made out to be. Is that okay? Do you get that? Do yeah. I look as though I'm sincere when I say that? Yeah. Okay. Because I do mean that, and and I don't want anything you know bad to happen to him. However, we are celebrating Urban Meyer on this day when he has said, hey, I'm out of here. And we're, we're really going to do this and just pretend – that his world hasn't been crashing down around him for the last six months? Is mm-hmm. that really what we're going to do? I mean, the Zach Smith thing didn't happen three years ago. It went down this year, and he was the guy holding the bag. That's one of the things about being in charge. When you're in charge, you don't just have the authority. You also are accountable for what happens under your watch. And the Zach Smith thing was a mess. Now, Urban Meyer is a relatively young man, and I am going to tell you right now, I honestly feel like this is it. A lot of people speculate, well, he's going to step aside for a couple years, rest, have a procedure, have this cyst dealt with, whatever the case might be, but but then he's done. I don't see a situation in college football after having been at the top of the mountain with Ohio State where it's going to be worth him coming off the couch and going back to coach. What do you think? As a, as a, somebody that doesn't have Ohio State on your radar on a regular basis, where are you at with that? Well, that's – a lot of people speculate already. I mean, even 
all the big talking heads are sitting there going, oh, he'll take a couple of years off, then he'll be back. So I've been racking my brain all morning since I heard that. And I'm kind of in the same boat with you on this one. It's like, where? Yeah. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to settle into a smaller program like you had with like Utah or whatever and just kind of build it and have a nice life and coach and not have too much pressure and all that stuff? Because I'm sure anybody would back the truck up and hire him. Oh, uh, for sure. But what program are you going to do? This is, I mean, you worked your way up in your profession to be in, you know, right now, probably top two coach in the land? I, I mean, I would be hard-pressed to think of somebody other than Saban that you would put ahead of yeah. Urban And I don't even know, with Bowden and Paterno having retired in the last relatively few years, I don't know that there's anybody in that other kind of stratosphere. This is three national championships. Yeah. That's, that's hallowed ground. And he's only 54 years old. I don't know that I'd put anybody but uh, Nick Saban above him. Les Miles is back at Kansas, but Les Miles, is he really even in that conversation? I don't think so. No. Um, it's an interesting thing. So what you said is what I'm hitting on because he he progressed. And if you look at the jobs, and this is not to me offensive to anybody from Florida, but he went from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida Florida was two-time national champ out there. Yeah. You know, great program with great tradition, but it ain't Ohio State. I mean, when you talk about Ohio State, you're talking about Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, USC, Notre Dame. That's probably your five blue bloods in college football. Did I leave anybody out? Would you put anybody else in that category? I mean – they haven't been as relevant, but I think Michigan is another one that no, for the last name. twenty Michigan, years. No, Michigan, Michigan really has been on hard times, and that's part of Urban Meyer's legacy. Um, I think I would have to put Michigan in there. But and if actually, you look at like the actually, history frank, of college football, to be frank, I would probably have to put Michigan a notch ahead of Ohio State, as much as it pains me to say that. Um, so yeah, probably those. Six I mean, maybe not recently, teams. but like in the history, like no. your lifespan. Michigan's got to be in there. Um, in my lifespan, and I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, it's hard for me sometimes to step back and say, hey, I'm 46 years old and Ohio State's beaten Michigan seven straight years because I grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s when Michigan owned Ohio State. Yeah. During the entire rivalry, my formative years, I was watching Butch Woolfork and – um, Anthony Carter and these guys just torch Ohio State. And in the 90s in particular, and even into the early 2000s, but particularly in the 90s, Ohio State so many times went into that game number one in the country, number two in the country, number three in the country with a chance to play for a national championship, and Michigan ruined their season. Yeah. So the last seven years during the Urban Meyer run, following Jim Tressel – because Trestle had great success against Michigan. These have been the days of milk and honey for me in my lifetime. Because the Woody Hayes success, which was the last time any coach had any success against Michigan, Woody Hayes was on the way out as I was on the way into this world. Yeah. One of my very first memories is the Gator Bowl where the Clemson player got punched in the face by Woody Hayes. Hmm. I was probably 
four years old, five years old. And I remember distinctly watching that on my grandparents' floor model black and white TV. And, you know, resolution wasn't what it is now. Replays were slow to come, and we saw it happen. And I can remember being the one in the room, and I was like, he just hit him. And everybody else was like, what are you talking about? Because that was at the end of the game. Ohio State was about to take an L to Clemson. It was something else. But that is one of those moments in my life that I remember – and may, I mean, it really legitimately is one of my first memories. So my point with regard to Urban Meyer is I will always hold him in esteem because he went 7-0 and against Michigan. That's all that matters to me. The national championship was great. Great. But that's not what I'm going to remember about Urban Meyer. I will have to really think about did Urban Meyer win one? Did he win two? What? I will never forget, even when I'm old and have dementia, that Urban Meyer went undefeated against Michigan. That's his legacy, period. 7-0. and 77-7 was his regular season record as the coach of Ohio State. He had just as many victories against Michigan as he had total losses in the regular season as a head coach. 77 and 7. That's like video game numbers. Yeah. 85 and 9 in total <clears throat> with a national championship, three Big Ten championships, and people forget we're only six years removed. Seven years ago, when he took over that program, they went undefeated. They might have been the best team in the country. And they're on they were on probation. Yep. They had one year and didn't get to play in a bowl, didn't get to play and in a Big Ten championship. At that time, I thought that was a but it's a credit to him and his players going undefeated. That was a huge accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. Because they had for, nothing to work, they had nothing to play for. And he came in there and boom, undefeated. They did. So blessing Sturban Meyer on his on his way out the door. But the other piece of this that's not getting any talk right now is that the Ohio State program, probably more so than any other program in the country over the over the last seven years, while Urban Meyer's been there, has had talent seepage every single year. Those assistant coaches have been out the door. You got Tom Herman, Dan Mullen. These guys have been through the program. Boom, they're out. They're going to head coach someplace else. The feeling has been in Columbus that Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator, is the best that they've had. They've seen the writing on the wall with Urban Meyer. They went down this road with the whole Zach Smith thing. I'm not sure that there wasn't a deal brokered in the wake of this Zach Smith thing where they said, you know what, maybe it's time for you to gracefully exit stage Well, yeah, I know. I I mean, if you look back at that, the uh, press conference, him and the president weren't talking of Ohio State. Their body language was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they had a board member quit saying, I want Urban fired. So... And Urban's honestly, a smart man. I don't think there was any talk of them. I don't think I think this was a dead point. Ohio State, I don't think pushed them. I think Urban was smart enough to know that it's time to go. Well, the, the, there's a couple things too here. Like I was like I was saying, Ryan Day, it's hard to argue that he may be the most talented offensive coordinator they've had during Urban Meyer's tenure. Mm-hmm. The other thing too, and this story sort of evaporated. Ryan Day was going to be gone. Ryan Day was going to go be the next head coach at Kansas State. Bill Snyder, who's 800 years old, has finally decided, I'm going to retire, and it's for real this time. 
And Bill Snyder, the most overrated head coach in, the co- in college football history, period. I'm just going to say that. Um, Bill Snyder's out. Kansas State wanted Ryan Day to come in there. They were going to give him the reins. Ryan Day would go down there with no expectations and probably would have done a good job down there. Ohio State looked and said, can we reset one more time and capture lightning in a bottle? Because Ryan Day came to Ohio State as a relative unknown. He's a Chip Kelly acolyte. He's seasoned as an NFL coach. He's a young guy. At 39, I worry about his experience level. We've talked about this for the last, I don't know, two months about Larry Fedora. Fedora is a gifted offensive mind. Got to UNC, he's got a million speaking engagements. He's got to keep all these football coaches happy in North Carolina and South Carolina to have a shot to keep these players in state. All of the politics going on, dealing with all the the infractions and the issues at North Carolina, it was too much for Larry Fedora. I said this before, I'm going to say it again. Larry Fedora is going to land on his feet and within the next 18 months will be installed as an offensive coordinator at a major college program. That college program will have a top 15 offense in the country. Count on it. It's going to happen. Wouldn't be surprised if he ends out there in Kansas with less miles. We'll see how that works out. I don't know. Hey, maybe Kansas State. Maybe Kansas State. Head coach. I don't. Nah, I don't think too soon. I don't think so. I don't think so. If he goes to coach as a head coach, it's going to be a smaller program. That's one way to rehab your career. Yeah. But it doesn't work that often. the The better way to go is go back, get back in the seat as a as a coordinator. And then do your thing. The other thing, too, though, with the economics with a guy like Larry Fedora, Larry Fedora could never coach a minute of football at any level and has enough money that he can live a very nice life. So that's one of the differences now than in days gone by. It's going to be interesting to see where Larry Fedora lands. I haven't seen a whole lot of the the rumor mill churning his name up yet. But if if I'm out there, well, I'll give you a prime example. Let's say that... Ryan Day stayed as the offensive coordinator. Urban Meyer wasn't retiring. And Ryan Day went on out to Kansas State to take that head job. Larry Fedora would be at the top of my list of guys I'd want at there at Ohio State. All right, we'll finish thoughts on Urban Meyer on the other side of the break. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American Patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. We're talking to Urban Meyer for a few more minutes, then we'll pivot into some NFL and some basketball and other cool things that are going on in the world. My point with with Ryan Day is I think as a program they were looking, and now that the rumors had started and the whole thing with, well, Urban may be moving on, had Ryan Day left, how likely is it that they were going to get a top chef talent to come in there knowing, well, Urban may be on the fence, maybe rolling on out of here. Um, 
I think Ohio State doubling down and installing Ryan Day as the the head coach is a good move, but it's not a dead set certainty this well, is going to work out well. I think it was the gamble they learned from Oklahoma. Yeah. And right now that seems to be blossoming pretty well. It does. The difference here's here's what's going to make or break Ryan Day. It, it's very very simple. Dwayne Haskins is a red shirt sophomore. If Haskins sticks around, Ryan Day is going to be just fine. It's going to give him a year to well, pivot. What, one more year, right? Two. What's that? Two years with Haskins or one? Well, Haskins certainly won't stay a fifth year, but. He's a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore, so he's got three years in the program. Okay. He can go to the draft this year. And if he does, he's probably a top ten pick. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins completely up in the air as to what he's going to do right now. He's going to be in New York this weekend for the Heisman Trophy presentation. Uh, Vegas has Kyler Murray as the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. All of you out there are welcome. I told you so. Tua shouldn't even be in New York. I honestly believe, but I do. Well, think he needs Kyler to be at practice because he still has a game. Yeah, I, is he playing? What's, what's up with the ankle? I have no idea. I'm gonna tell you. Hey, what. Hey, I I think Kyle Murray should win it too. Kyler Murray is an animal, and those of you, one of the problems with college football is in with the, all the blowouts and with the complete total saturation across the television network of college football. I don't think enough people in America have seen Kyler Murray play football. It, we throw words around. Kyler Murray is an absolutely special talent. Special. And if you think Tua's good, and you guys have been watching Tua out there, if you think Tua's good, just wait. Watch Kyler Murray. I am so excited about that football game. And I don't think that Oklahoma is going to beat Alabama. But I do think Kyler Murray finally, as crazy as it sounds, because he's playing at one of the biggest programs in the country, I think he finally finally gets a national showcase. Even the Big 12 championship, they didn't get any favors. They mm-hmm. were the first game out of the shoot. They're playing Texas. Everybody's looking at it like, at eh, whatever, dude. Yeah. You know, the Red River shootout, if you weren't a Texas or Oklahoma fan, did you watch? You know, I watch because I'm a college football junkie, but there's there's only so many junkies out there. America's going to get to see Kyler Murray. Kid is special. Big 12 champ. Heisman winner. National champ. Baseball rookie of the year, buddy. Baseball rookie of the year. It won't be next year. No, you know baseball's a completely different animal. They need to bring him up. Oakland, get Billy Bean on the phone. He, He. Go ahead. How much more tickets, if you shell this guy in the minor leagues for a half a year or even a full season, he's going to lose that national presence than if he comes out of what he just did in college, if they beat Alabama, even if they don't. Oh, God. Can you imagine? He could sell tickets in Oakland. Sure. Well, somebody's got to. Right I mean, now. Oklahoma's one of those, one of those program or one of those. Oakland. Yeah, it's tough, man. Oakland A's. He could be the face of that franchise right now. We'll see. It's uh it's an interesting debate. The the norm is for these guys to come out and, you know, go pay their dues down to the minors. Baseball is what it is. They do things the way they do. I know. Um, I don't I don't want to. I have a feeling. I, I have a feeling. 
that Kyler Murray will be back in football pads. See, I in have the next a few years. I have a really sneaky suspicion about that as my, well. My thing with that, when you look at guys that are legit stars in Major League Baseball, he doesn't fit the body type. He's not six foot four, you know, swinging for the fences in today's analytics-driven type game. I don't know. I mean, what guys are his size with his skill set that are superstars in Major League Baseball? I want to say Mike Trout. Mike Trout's not a – I mean, he may Maybe. be six one. I'd have to look it up. I think he's built like a Mike, Mike Trout. Mike Trout, if you looked at a normal picture of him, you would have thought it was Brian Erlacher in his prime. He's a monster. All right, Trout's 6'2", 235. And Kyle Murray's what? I'm, I'm looking yeah. it up, man. So, but that's what I was thinking. Mike Trout, I don't think you have to – I don't think baseball has a body type. If they're evolving into the Mike Judge, I think we're all misleading. There's not enough out there. But the Mike Trout bodies are built for power and speed. Well, I think that the, the thing that gets lost is, you know, from – yeah, see, Kyler Murray's only five foot nine. Five foot nine, one one ninety five. Yeah, okay. Which well. you know doesn't lend itself to playing quarterback in the NFL, but it's not a disqualifier anymore in this day and age. No, so. dude, you you just you have three million dollars. You win the Heisman. You buy Rolex watches for your offensive linemen, and you go to Oakland spring training. You make the team. You live happily ever after. And you know what? In seven years, eight years, you'll be just like Bryce Harper having teams Googling over you to pay you $400 million for five years, ten I years. I, I just don't know. Five nine one ninety five. dollars I'd have to look. I'd have to do some better research and see where people are at. The five nine baseball player. Yeah, I mean, five nine one ninety five is no joke. No, I mean, come on. That's that's freaking solid. We, we we here in this studio are all well over five foot nine, and, and I'm we have that we have that bias. I think that tallish people have, where we're just like, well, everybody's six foot. Yeah, everybody's six foot one. And then Sean Powell rolls up in here, and you're like, oh yeah, there are people out there that are five foot four. <laughs> and they're great on my favorite show, awesome. the Game of Thrones, the Imp. Oh, God. I love him. I think that uh yeah, five foot nine, you look at that in the context of sports and you're like, oh man. So maybe baseball's perfect for him. NBA Can basketball, no. No. Football, eh, might be a stretch. Unless Baker Mayfield Well Baker, good. I mean, see that's the thing. Is we we talk <coughs> about Baker. Well, Baker's six foot. Drew Brees. Brees five eleven probably. See? Go baseball, buddy. The, the you'll make more that, money. The, you'll play no, longer. The guy that, that Kyler Murray has a skill set similar to is you, Russell Wilson. Oh, I was going to say, if you say Patrice Mahomes, I'm going to punch but you in the face. Russell Wilson's 5'11". Patrice Mahomes is dead to me. So, Kyler Murray, 5'9". He would be uncharted. Russell Wilson's what? 5'11". They list him at 5'11". I don't believe that. So, the NFL draft, if he, if he stays as a quarterback, I bet you he gets drafted at 5'11". You'll grow um, two inches. Well, here's the thing. That's the that's the crazy thing that you on. say. Is that well with cleats on. But the NFL draft, that's the one like honest brokerage when you look at heights and weights, because there's no hiding at the combine. 
The NBA. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was getting the sports mixed up. Yeah, I was like, "What are you talking about? We oh, talk about dude. it all the time." No, it's the NBA. Yeah, the NBA that where they're like, "Oh no, no, that's with shoes on." What? Oh, what, no. In what context? Ever he's, anywhere? He's seven twelve. Yeah, oh. seven foot thirteen. Yes, he has a yes. wingspan of ninety. Yeah, thousand. So Kyler Murray going to play baseball, I think, is probably the right way to go. It does make me a little sad. That he's not going to be there to try to make a run in the NFL. It's going to come down to what the kid wants to do. Honestly, what do you love more? Patrice Mahomes loved I football. I don't think so. He didn't why go do you and play. You to call that dude Patrice? Why? why? What, what did he do to you? Because uh, <coughs> he loved football, and he could have been in the minor leagues right now, playing baseball. He could have been. So he picked football. But I think Murray you, has the same choice. What do you love? I don't think if it's I the gave same you thing. a choice, Chris, are you going to be a sports broadcaster or a lawyer? Both. But I'm going to be only the Deion Sanders. But you couldn't be. You could pick one. I and I already gave you three million dollars to be a lawyer. Well, see, that's where the question comes in. Is it's not. You but know, then I'm going to go this route or I'm going to go that. No, it's like, I gave oh, you $3 million this. to be a lawyer, uh-huh. or you could give that money back and I'll give you you know $60,000 a year to be a sports broadcaster. $3 million is a lot of money. What do you love? I could go be a bad lawyer for $3 million and still be all right. Depends on what you love. Yeah. If you like to roam around with no pants on and wear black robes and <laughs> send people to jail, then go be a judge. Me? I'm going to go and uh, sling wings. <laughs> now, honestly, how long is the list Slinging of things? Slinging wings! How, how long is the list of things that you would prefer to do? Than what I do now? Yeah. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> it's significant, huh? Oh, buddy. How many pages in the dictionary? Oh, wow. But no, Kyler I love Murray, what I do I every once in a while. <laughs> I don't think there's really a choice to be made there with Kyler Murray. No. Because I think at 5'9", you're in uncharted territory. Yeah. You're in like Doug Flew. I thought territory. he was taller. If yeah. he was six foot, maybe there's a question. No. Six He's two. doing the right thing. 5'9". Yeah. And, you know, got guaranteed money. Baseball money is forever money. Um, I hope that he becomes a transcendent type athlete. We'll see how it works out. Good luck, Kyler Murray. Bon voyage, Urban Meyer. See you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. 
I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now... From Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing. All right, so. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Chris Lambert, Professor Trent Nichols. Chris, we've missed the biggest announcement of the week Talk to me, in guys. sports. Who is back, baby? With a little love and some tenderness. Who is back? I don't know. What are you, what are you talking about? This is why Urban Meyer is retiring. He's going to the 25th anniversary, and Hootie is back on tour. I don't. That's banana. I didn't know that. And you know who's you opening have, for them? You don't have any idea how big a Hootie and the Blowfish fan I am. And you know who's opening for them? Who? Your favorite, dude. Not BTE. Huh? Better than Ezra? Well, okay. Your second, the other one that you should have waited. Bare naked lady. No way! B and L and Hootie and the so Blowfish are out. Who's oh going? God. We've got to go, the four of us. Oh my God. Hootie? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. See, you don't understand. Brandon Atkins. No, forget Brandon. I'm talking about your wife, my wife. We're, we're on it. We are Hootie absolutely and on the it. bare naked ladies. Oh Hootie is my back. God. 25th anniversary of Cracked uh Rear Mirror or whatever it Cracked was called. Review, dude. That's one of the yes. best albums ever made. They had just announced it. I heard uh, Darius Rutger on the radio today. They've been working on a new album. He laughed and said, we'll play like two songs off the new album, but it's all <laughs> going to be about yes. Hootie. Uh, the last time I saw Hootie and the Blowfish, I said better than Ezra. Better than Ezra opened for them. I saw him down in Birmingham at the amphitheater down there, uh, somewhere south of Birmingham. I can't remember what little town it's in. I apologize. But, oh, God. Yeah. I've only seen Darius Rucker at the Grand Old Opry when he was a country singer, and he played like three Hootie songs, and I died. And this is it. This is my opportunity. Dude, we Hootie. must do this. Hootie is back. 2019, the 25th anniversary, and that Bare Naked Ladies is, is opening for amazing. them. They are at Walnut Creek on May 31st. We are so there. Boom. I wonder when the tickets. When did the tickets go on sale? I'm I'm trying, man. I'm trying. You you hit me with this 
Hootie. You hit me with this. I'm surprised you didn't know. I didn't know you were a big Hootie fan. Oh, my God, dude. I love those guys. Love those guys. Love them, love them, love them. The Dolphins make him cry. (laughs) And you know what he said? He said uh, the Dolphins are going to go 10 and 6, and Tannen Hill is going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. Well, he said that's going to happen this year. Yeah. He said that this morning. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm on a on a show that I won't give credit. All right. That I so you're to not going to be able to you're you're not going to be able to appreciate this. But since we went all music, I was people that know us probably know by now that me, you, Robert, and Dave have a group chat that's been going on for years. And there is no <laughs> and Brandon, <coughs> yeah, and Brandon. I feel like, how did I leave him out? I forgot he wasn't sitting here. Um, we have a group chat, and some of that stuff, dude. If someone were to commit that into book form, oh. can you? It would be a Netflix series. Oh, dude, it would be a national bestseller. Oh my god, some of the stuff that comes through there is not fit for public consumption. But you guys never fail to crack me up. But it's also a place where I go to cry. And on occasion, I I have to have a shoulder to cry on. And yesterday was one of those days. You won't be able to appreciate this the same way that Brandon Atkins would. But he is the consummate hip-hop fan. Yeah. He is. He's like a library. He, he knows is, more it, it about hip hop. Encyclopedic. His, than his hip-hop knowledge knows about hip hop. Well, I am a huge fan of '90s hip hop. Mm-hmm. Once we transformed and, and moved past that, I kind of fell out of love with it. But I love the edgy type bands that came around in the '90s that were sort of post gangster rap, that were sort of feel good vibe, and there are songs that just really, really resonate with me. And one of those is by the band De La Soul, and it's called Ring, Ring, Ring. (laughs) And your number, and I'll get back to you. All right, so that to me is a great all-time hip-hop song. Yeah, De La Soul, Ring Ring Ring. Anybody disagrees with me, you're just wrong. Well, what I found out yesterday, and this this hit me at my core, and I was I was torn up about this. I was I I go on these bunny trails in life. Everybody out there that listens with any regularity knows I am completely ADD. <laughs> And it pervades over all of my life. My wife, about once a week, is like, why don't you medication? No. (laughs) I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I wasn't ADD. I enjoy being ADD. I understand the hurdles that it creates for me because I'm like, oh, bright lights. Ah!" (laughs) But I end up on these bunny trails. And yesterday, I was in a gas station. And I heard a song. And it sent me on a bunny trail. And I went back and I was, I actually like transformed, I, I transported back in time to England to when I was in junior high school. And I was looking at a band and 
I found my way to one of their hits and I was like, God, I'm like in my own little world because I'm the only person in the world right now that is appreciating this particular piece of music. Yeah. It's pretty obscure, but it's just that good. But as I went through, I was like, I think I know that song. Now, Ring, Ring, Ring by De La Soul came out in 99. In 88, this song was released. I want you to think back to what you just heard. Are you are you thinking about it? Yeah. All right. What? The message has been recorded Especially for you And if you leave a name and a number We'll get right back So wait a minute Was This is three years This is three years before Ring 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 This is Curiosity Killed the Cat That's from 88 so, I did what I do, and I go straight to Wikipedia, which is my reference for all things in the world. And yes, De La Soul's Ring 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 was, quote unquote, a recreation of Name and Number by Curiosity Killed the Cat. Uh, Isn't that something? It shattered me. I was like depressed. You, I, I put it up, and you guys didn't have any idea what I was talking no, about. Yeah, we you didn't. in particular. I'm sure that Brandon... And at the risk of sounding a little racist, Ricky probably knew what I was talking about with De La Soul. And I even put the link up. And I know how y'all are. You're like, I'm tired of links. I'm not even going to go to it. I wanted to like give context between the two songs. Yeah. De La Soul jacked. And that's probably my favorite De La Soul song. And I had no idea. And the crazy part is, it's, that it's from a band that I love. I love Curiosity Killed the Cat. They were like and you didn't even know. I did. I had no idea. See, I was driving to work when that all hit, and the only thing I could respond to your uh, curiosity killed the cat was Scott Styles. <laughs> Scott so, Styles. So ears and, they, and we'll the just king of little, cocaine at we'll, Michigan State, we'll, Scott we'll, Styles. Oh wow. We'll give you a peek into what goes on on these top secret G14 classified group texts. So Fred Hoiberg is let go by Chicago a couple We get a ago. weather update. <laughs> we get a weather update. From Mr. Bricky. Yeah, I appreciate that, Brick. So Hoiberg is out in Chicago. And my statement was, <laughs> if I'm an NBA GM searching for a new head coach, the first thing I do is, quote unquote, eliminate... <laughs> average white point guards from the list it doesn't work but you disqualified the reason why everyone's looking for an average white (laughs) and you said he's a freaking two guard he is dude wasn't a point guard shut the hell that's stupid steve guard steve kerr was a shoot only guard don't put okay just put guard you can't put shooting guard and steve (laughs) kerr is the reason why but Everyone's looking for these white point, these guards. Look, look, look. 
You oh. point out you're like Scott Skiles. Well, I couldn't think of any white point. I said Jeff Van Gundy, and you're like he never played. Van I'm Gundy like I don't care. Hey, and Van Gundy, if he would have been bio, a guard. If, if he he would have been a guard because he's not tall. Uh, okay, if you look at Van Gundy, his bio says that he played small college basketball. I think it's a lie. I think it's a myth. I don't think Van Gundy even knows how to dribble a basketball. <laughs> I think that's the truth. And if you know this to be what different, somebody's got video of Jeff Van Gundy actually playing basketball. What about Eric Spolstra? Did what? he play Spolstra basketball? Didn't play basketball anywhere. Spolstra and and Van Gundy are where good coaches come from, and that's from within the organization. These guys come and they're quality control assistants. Yeah, video they're doing editors. Cut-ups, yep. They're doing that type of stuff, and they're learning from these basketball savants, and they come through the system. Those guys are where your coaches come from. Former players. It just doesn't work. Well, you know, oh, you know who I forgot? Who? Oh, he was more of than average. I was going to say Jason Kidd. Kidd was horrible as a head coach. Yeah, I know, but yeah, he was more than and, average and as, to a, be, and, as well, a guard. And to be, and to be clear about this, I did say white point guards. Even though Jason Kidd is 95% white, it disqualifies he him. He disqualifies him, yeah. But I didn't, Billy Donovan didn't play in NBA, did he? Yeah, he did. Donovan wow. played for a couple minutes in the NBA. Jeez. I think he played for the Knicks. I have no idea. And Donovan was a great college coach. I don't want to take anything away from him. But at Orlando, eh. Well, no, he hasn't done much. Well, he wasn't in Orlando. Was he not? Oh, that's no. right. He went to Orlando but didn't go to Orlando. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Brad Stevens played college basketball. Well, Brad Stevens is eight feet tall, too. He's no, seven. He's, he's seven foot 13. He yes, always. he is. Well, he has a 94-foot wingspan. <laughs> So Scott that, Skiles, dude. See, you threw Scott Skiles. I hated and, Scott. And what Skiles. did I tell you? What What did I tell you was going to happen if you invoke Scott Brooks? <laughs> that you're going to punch somebody. You're going to get drive to wherever you were at, and fight. I was going to fight you. But I didn't know Scotty Brooks. I didn't think played in the NBA. Either. Yeah, Scott Brooks. Yeah, Scott Brooks played for the NBA for forever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was one of what those about guys. Ruby Tom like Janovich. Ru- Rudy wasn't a guard. Rudy's a huge guy. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy, see, you don't know Rudy's history. Rudy's, no. Rudy has one thing that he is best known for. I think it's fighting somebody, right? Or getting f- beaten or something? Yeah, punched? he got punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. Kermit Washington, I think, was yeah, punched him in the face. Broke his jaw. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, um, yeah, these big guys, that's a different thing. Phil Jackson, but short, white, average point guards – they don't make good coaches. So we know why John Stockton has like disappeared out of the the national I scene. I think Stockton's one of those guys that was like, eh, it's a lot of head. But okay, so what about Bobby Hurley? He's, He's doing not, a good job right now as a college coach. Could he transition into Fernandes. the NBA Listen, and be a good coach? No. College coaching and NBA coaching are two entirely different animals. Oh, You're yeah. not going to out X's and O's somebody in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can talk forever about Phil Jackson and that triangle offense. What's Brandon's favorite saying? It's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. Hey, Luke Walton's a good coach. Luke Wasn't Walton, he a guard? Not really. <laughs> and, no, Luke Walton's not a particularly good coach. Uh, he, he, that's just my thing, though, is that the college coaching skill set and the NBA college coaching skill set, two entirely different animals. <laughs> We'll finish that thought, or maybe not, on the other side. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
was just a tiny baby. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. So during the break, I just texted my wife and asked her, hey, do you know what you're doing in May? I'll be interested to see how that response goes. No, we're always down for some live music. And uh, Hootie the Blowfish, that's breaking news, man. I am so, so excited. So if you weren't stuck in your bunny trail of De La Soul, you would have known Hootie came out and... Well, here's the thing is, is yesterday I took a um, I took a final in criminal law. And there are five finals that I've had to navigate. That was the third. That was the middle of them. The first two I felt pretty good about. This one yesterday, I like choked it out. Ugh. I choked it out. I wrecked it. So I was really excited about it. And I actually was like seeking drinking partners last night. You were working. Brandon's taking his kids to the parade. Kaplan was at choir practice or something. I don't know what he's doing. Bricky's a thousand miles away. Dude, I haven't seen Kaplan in like nine months. Yeah, Kaplan, I I saw his picture up in the post office the other day. I don't know what that's all about. I don't even drink milk because I get sad when I see his picture on the carton. So, and I was like, you know. I don't have enough friends. It was a really sad day. So what did I do? I went back to the internet looking at music again. And I went through and I was like, you know what? I'm on this De La Soul kick. So let me go download even more stuff into iTunes. And I just went crazy. And I did. And my wife got home. And and here's the thing. I had been looking for a drinking partner, which is a dangerous game for me to play. She came home from having had drinks with a friend of hers. They they coordinate. They do this like once every other week. They go meet up, have a drink, have dinner, whatever. And she gets home, and I'm like full on pulling music Ready. from all over the place. And she's like, why don't you stop that and talk to me? And I was like, why don't you blow it out your ass? <laughs> no, I'm doing this. I'm having fun. No, I'm playing. But, um, yeah, I was on it, man. I, I, was, I was all over the place. Arrested Development. Um, and then I found my way all the way back to to old rap, Curtis Blow, Grandmaster Flash, uh, UTFO, Ra- Eric B. and Rakim. 
and I was just pulling stuff. And now I have this elaborate list of stuff clogging up my iTunes. Just adding to it, man. <laughs> Takes me forever. I have no idea. You're like, well, do you have that song? I don't know. It uh, people that people astound me that have like 35 songs in their iTunes. I I don't know how to function like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think I've got that. I, I have 10 that. million songs. That's just because Spotify has 10 million. 10 million? Yeah. I like that. I can listen I like to all of them Amazon on Shuffle. Music. Amazon Music is closing down. What? Yes. Amazon Music, they're shutting that down. They have thrown in the towel, and they have learned it ain't easy to be iTunes. Wow. And they're getting out of the business. And I'll tell you, here's the, here's the secret. There's a secret formula. Hmm. And some of these corporations... Jeff Bezos, um, Mark Zuckerberg, people like that, they're, they're next level smart. They're really, really smart. I have never understood how come they don't get, you have to make it easy. Have you ever played with the interface on Amazon Music? Mm-mm. It sucks. Yeah. It really, really sucks. Um, and there's only so much attention people are going to give to it because they're like, huh, I'm going back to iTunes. That's easy. The next up, that needs to figure that out. Do you have DirecTV at the house? Yeah. What do you think of what they did to the new interface? The What, the guide and everything? Yeah. No, it's horrible. It's awful. I can't even barely get to my DVR no. anymore. It's like, takes I, forever. It's unbelievable how hard it is to get to the DVR. Yeah. If I tell you I want to look at stuff I've recorded, don't take me to stuff that's showing now. Yeah. Especially if it's the same episodes or same stuff that's in my recording because all you're doing is confusing me. Yeah. Take me where I want to go. It's horrible. The guide was so easy to navigate. Have you tried to st- search for a particular sporting event? Oh, never a sporting event. Oh, my God. If you go in and you put in a team's name, it will show you something from six months from now and say that's the only thing it's on. Yeah. Direct TV. Get it together. It's brutal. Their update was very disappointing. You're not that important. You need to fix it. Netflix. Netflix has done a pretty good job, but it continues to evolve, and I think it goes from platform to platform. There's just sort of evolves. We're in a good space. All of our TVs have an easy-to-navigate Netflix thing right now. Yeah. But um, there are others that are not so much. DirecTV, you're at the top of my list. Fix your interface. It's stupid. Um I don't understand why they come and they're like, um, think about it in terms of this. iOS on the iPhone. Remember when they first started making the changes to it? And you're like, ah, what am I looking at? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what did you do? Uh, how many times has the interface changed in the last 10 updates? It hasn't. No. Apple knows better. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. We have the most popular device in the world. Let's not start. Go play them with the format. That's DirecTV. There's no value. DirecTV. If you want to DM me your issues, we'd love to help you out. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, it's awful. Speaking of DirecTV, you did the right thing. Did you see the highlights from the uh, Wilder Fury fight this weekend? I watched a lot on Twitter, but I did not buy it. What? Isn't that illegal to periscope that? Well, no, people were live streaming it until Twitter caught them and yes. shut it down. You had to find somebody else. Yeah. So I, like I watched it. like the first three rounds and then I did that. Dude, I'm going to announce it. This has been a couple of fights, three, maybe four big fights now that have ended in these draws just to have rematches, I feel. You it's know, a you money can... grab 
and I'm not enjoying this. You can look at the result of that fight and the reaction of the two fighters. That tells the tale right there. The fact that Wilder was like, yeah, yeah. Dude, if you're happy about a draw, it wasn't a draw. Nope. Tyson Fury, it's funny because Fury got knocked down twice. But other than that, just... Dude, what's up with... He was dead. I know. And then he just like... All of a sudden, it was like, seven. Whoop. Is it going to be... Is it going to be Easter part two that we celebrate? What? I know. I thought he was... I thought he had died in the ring. Yeah. And he like took a little nap. And I'm up. I'm good. The WWE people were like, like, I need you to take a nap. And they sleep for 15 minutes. They're like, this is The Undertaker. You know, the WWE fans are tweeting out, The Undertaker in boxing. Well, he got up and got robbed. And it's funny to say that about a fighter that got knocked down twice. And once, about not cold. But he beat Wilder pretty soundly. Uh, The draw, nobody's excited about that. The whole thing is just a mess. Boxing, sort it out, dude. Sorted out. UFC is coming for you. When the UFC can figure out how to get out of its own way and stop oversaturating. I've decided that's the problem with UFC. Yeah. Is that it's just, it's the opposite of what you get with the NFL. The NFL's greatest characteristic is scarcity. And I think they would do well to get rid of the Thursday night games, make it a more exclusive thing where you own a particular time and date on the dial. Um, When the NBA figures that out, and quits moving games where they, well, we got two on Tuesday and we got one on Wednesday. All right. Dude, let me form my schedule around this. Let me know what's important and let me do it. UFC, every time out of the gate. What are we at? UFC 198? No, 208. Is it 208? Something like that. But here's the deal. They need to get rid of these FS1 and Fox and go back to once a month being pay-per-view and that would solve your problem. Or That's what you're saying. Or... They need to properly – you can't spread it around so thinly. Give it to me where I know it's going to be. Yeah. But you can't trot out every other week a new UFC, and this is the biggest fight card in the history of UFC. No, it's really not. No. It really, really isn't. I get – and I'm not trying to count Dana White's money or anybody else, but you need to roll it back. Give us something so that we know what to get excited about instead of, oh, it's another UFC. Another UFC. It's another UFC. Um, you're you're hardening your niche brand mm-hmm. instead of expanding into the masses. The whole FS1 and Fox thing, I think, is fine. But if you're going to go to a platform like that, give us something premium. Give us something good. Yeah. Um, I think UFC is a sport that lends itself to a true Rocky type story. And if they could do this right, instead of overproducing it, instead of the, the you know the Ultimate Fighter, the reality show where these kids fight against each other and all the rest of that stuff, dude, give us just just quit trying to overproduce it. Give us a legit tournament, all comers, show up here on this particular night. This is going to be the first round. We're going to do this tournament style over the course of the next three or four months. Number one gets a shot at the world title, yeah, or a contract with UFC. No, not a contract with UFC. I want to see a world title shot. I'm I'm in for real. And I've been to UFC. I've been to mixed martial arts stuff all over the country. Every community in the country has UFC fighters that are down there grinding in the gym all the time. You get into, I I remember back in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, these kids used to kill me. 
because we would they would get to a point where they were like, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go in the Army. And we would enlist them into the Army. And then while they were waiting to ship to basic training, they would get into a, a – they'd be in a match and they'd break three ribs – and now all of a sudden they can't ship to basic training on on time. That legitimately happened three or four times with these kids. We'll talk about it more on the other side. We're at the halfway point. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. It's all hootie, all day. Be the one from the Fairweather Johnson album, the second offering after Cracked Review. Have you ever been to a concert, Trent, where a band has come out for a anniversary and played an entire album from cover to cover in sequence? Oh no, but that's, that's what I was cool, hoping. That's because cool. that was this summer. It was the 25th anniversary of uh, August and everything in. Uh, everything after yeah. for the Counting Crows, and yeah, they played it, but they played a lot of their new album as well. I, I, you know what? And some of their other hits. But if it's a 25th anniversary album, you would think you know maybe they would just hook it up, go old school. Maybe it's a possibility. But they there's didn't. nothing worse than going to see a band that's that far past their prime. And I'm not trying to bash you guys. I know you love Counting Crows, but it, it's been a minute since they were relevant. Dude, if I'm going out and shelling out 125 bucks for a ticket, I'm not really caring about your new stuff. You better pick one or two good ones. And it's funny that you say Hootie said or Hootie. <laughs> Darius Rucker said, um, you know, we're going to play a couple new songs, but it'll be all the old stuff. Well, I'm glad you recognize. They're putting out the album, and they're like, so what are you going to do? How much of the old stuff are you going to play? He's like, oh, you know, he starts laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, we'll have like six songs in the set. He goes, 
I'm just joking. He's like, <laughs> we'll have maybe three of the new songs, and it'll either be before or after a major hit, just so people will listen to them. Yeah, they, that's he kinda, knows the deal. And and you know, it's funny that you say that because I, I've got friends of mine, one in particular, who was in a band in Columbia, South Carolina, when Hootie and the Blowfish were becoming a thing. Yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish, I would say it's fair to say about them, they're not spectacular musically. They are the greatest businessmen to come through that genre in that time period. I mean, they just knew how to do it. And they, they're a band that's interesting to me. We were talking about it during the break. I own every studio album that they've done. And probably all the compilations as well. And on every one of those albums, there's a good song or two. There's some One Love, State Your Peace, stuff like that. And people are like, I don't even know what that is. Well, go find it. The The issue is, is that for a band like them, and, and I want you to think about this as I say it. Because when I say it to younger people, they're like, I never really thought about that. Think about how many times a band comes out and has that first album. And you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is unbelievable. That was Cracked Rearview. The thing about those types of albums is a band like Hootie and the Blowfish had been touring and playing for years and years and years before they got that deal and put that album out. That is all those years to perfect those songs and curate those songs and figure out what people like yeah. and what they don't. And then you hit, you go on tour for a year, year and a half, and then you come back and they're like, hey, do that again. Yeah. You're like, well, really? In in three weeks? Is that what you want us to do? You know, and I get that they're writing songs on the road and the rest of that, but all the production work is done in that moment, in that studio over the course of three, six, you know, how many ever weeks. It doesn't happen very often. Mm-mm. And if you think about out there your favorite bands, think about how many of them put out one spectacular album, whether it was um, their first release or whether it was something that came later after a hiatus, it's because of all that time and energy that they were able to invest into that piece of art. You can't just replicate that every time you go in the studio. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, the the problem that I have is you hear a band, and for me, my judge is always the second or third album if I'm going to really like that band because I feel like they get caught into, hey – we're paying you a lot of money. This is what sells. This is how you have to sound. And then they kind of evolve into what they want to be. And that's going to tell you if they have that longevity. Because my example of that is Weezer. Oh, God. Weezer's first album was very good. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you, their second album, I think, is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Really? And it sounded so much better. I loved everything every song about that and they became more of their own one of the new bands that i love is munford and sons and they came out and they have now their fourth album and their third album is totally different than what they started as so i still like them but they evolved into something different so i worry about that well some bands are formulaic and some of them as they go along master the formula um Maroon 5 is one that jumps into my head. Maroon 5, you can pick up whatever their most recent album is. I don't even know which one it is. And you can butt it up against the first one. Um, And it's pretty much the same stuff. It's just a formula. They pump it out. But I think when you look at 
a lot of bands, I hold to what I said earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's like an author. You have that one book in your mind that's amazing, and then they expect you to crank out two books a year, and you didn't have 15 years to devise that one great story that you put out. There you go. So we've cracked Heard. the code. But so I will say this. don't be disappointed the next time you, f- you go pick up a follow-up album, especially when it's the band writing their own material. My favorite band was only together for about six to three to six months before they had their first album. So Who was that? Counting Crows. I didn't realize that. Yeah, very short. So their first album was kind of thrown together, and then they evolved into what they How did they fall into a record deal after? I have no idea. Somebody heard them play, and they're like, hey, cut a record. Wow. Yeah, they didn't even know each other. They just all got together. Yeah, it's a crazy tale. I had no idea. Yeah. I still don't like them like that. That's all right. I love them. Adam Durant's. I love you, buddy. Okay. Great songwriter, great mind. And a very much accomplished ladies' man. And a, yep. I just hate his hair, and I've been waiting for 30 years for him to get rid of those dreadlocks, but whatever. It's his thing, man. I mean, if you took the dreadlocks off, would you even know? I mean, if you saw him at Walmart this afternoon, if he walked into your bar with no no dreadlocks, dreadlocks, I would be like, damn, you look a lot like Adam Durant. If you had dreadlocks, (laughs) dog, you would be Adam Durant. I, I like it, man. Oh, well. I like it. All right, so so this sports. show from the cheap seat is brought to you by Krista Lambert and not being on lithium to control his ADD because we have been all over the board today talking is, about everything. Lithium is like for isn't that for for uh, ADD? No, it's not for. Yes, ADD. it is. No, it's like well, buterol or something. Man. Ne- oh, Lith- lithium is for bipolar. No, I'm positive. I don't think so. Okay. Ned, just get your wife on the phone. She would know. She would, oh, she'll know for sure. Adderall. Adderall for sure. Controls uh, ADD. Yeah. Also a big recreational drug for the kids out there. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Don't do Adderall and don't eat Tide Pods. Don't do Almost. Adderall and don't take a towel and suck up Glade air freshener. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of, there's a twist coming. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. So, as everybody out there knows, we do trivia at Libations on Chatham in downtown Sanford every Thursday at six thirty. We're going to try something new this week. What? Yeah, it's going to be themed. Uh oh. It's going to be themed, and this is inspired by the fact that the ownership group asked me, "Can we do Christmas trivia on December twentieth?" And I was like, "Sure." You know, we've done that before. We actually, man, we for Christmas a couple years ago, we had like one hundred and fifty people jammed into this place. Damn. But I was like, yeah, of course. But then I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I think I could do that on a weekly basis. A theme? Yeah, it's going to take a little bit more creativity, but I think I got this. Do you and have to wear a costume happen. to play? Yeah, you no, know, but you could. Okay. You could. And if, and if trivia didn't go well for you, or even if it did, you could take that costume, do a little role playing when you get home. Perfect. Whatever you want to do. This week, the theme is going to be Law and Order. Dun dun dun. Yeah, but not necessarily the TV show. See, here's how here's how this works. Dun dun. We do a music round on the front and a music round on the back. All right. So the music generally has a theme. And I'll just as a for instance, uh one time we did James Bond theme songs. So you had to name the thought the song, the artist, and the James Bond movie that it came from. Wow. Actually, no, it wasn't even the James Bond movie. You had to tell me who played James Bond in that particular movie. Roger cool. Moore, For Your Eyes Only, and that one uh, singer. 
Yeah. I don't remember her name. What are you? What? Huh? I was trying to answer the question. For your eyes only. Wasn't that uh, Sheena Easton? Maybe. I think it was. I don't know. Anyway. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. I appreciate Your that. theme, Law and Order, music Order. theme. So it, well, it's not just for the music theme, but it'll be all the categories. And here's what I'm thinking is that this week we'll start with music about crimes. Mm. You like that? Yeah. So it'll be music about crimes. And then we'll pivot into another category. And that category might be television detectives. Mm-hmm. And then the next might be legal definitions. Well, why don't you have one? Because since you're doing law, you got to do one on like favorite to-go food orders. <laughs> no donuts orders. Oh Order. man, we could do donuts. We could do we could do like a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donut. Yeah. Oh my God, you're a genius. It's, a, it's order. Order. What's your order? No. No, see, that's dumb. Okay. But donuts tie in with police. Yeah. That's perfect. There you go. I love it. Coffee awesome. ties in with police. So that's what I'll tell you is that the first is that the music category is going to be songs about crime. Um, Then we'll pivot. And like I said, we'll do some things that are inspired by law and order and the police through the rest of the four categories. And then there'll be another music round on the back. I'm going to answer. And I know in my head what it's going to be. John Mellencamp will be an answer. Why would John Mellencamp? What song about a crime? I don't remember. Oh, no. Steve Miller Band, I mean. I always get Jack and Diane and Take the Money and Run confused, the singers. Sorry. That's You know what? I never thought about that, but they are kind of similar. How is the Steve Miller Band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Def Leppard's not? How is that even a, a thing? Green know. Day is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Def Leppard is just now onto the ballot? Bon really? Jovi? Isn't Bon Jovi in the Rock and Roll, and Dude, Def Leppard's not? Def Leppard's not. Def Leppard, for those of you that are under the age of 50... Chris is a big Def Leppard fan, guys. Oh, actually, if you're, under the age, if you're under the age of 35, what you need to do today is go onto your device, and you can use Amazon if it still exists by the time you hear this, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. If you're a fan of rock and roll music, I need you to go download Pyromania by Def Leppard. And if you don't think it's one of the best 10 rock and roll albums ever made, I just don't know what to say. I'm going to try it. Are you not familiar? I could like tell you the track listing I, of that I record. I probably would know it cover. once I hear it, but I don't know oh, it. Oh, my God. Because you said Pyromania, and I, I went... Uh, immediately into uh, Tahiti Moon with porno porno for pyros. Oh, porno for pyros! <laughs> That's like jam. Perry jam. Farrell, dude, yeah, dude, man. Perry Farrell is like one of my heroes. He, I liked his band better than James Addiction. Uh, I think I like, I like porno for pyros better. Now, the, the reason I can't say that is that Jane says. Well, is such a great song. It is, and but. it's funny that you say you're talking about Perry Farrell where you invoked porno for pyros there. Um, one of the songs we played last week was Been Caught Stealing. I wish I'd have held oh, on to it for this coming week. Yeah. But, yeah. But what was the category? I'm trying to think what, this, what the category. Oh, it was bands with uh, bands with girls' names in them. <laughs> and your bands were Jane's Addiction, Alice in Chains, uh, Good Charlotte, The Donnas, and Veruca Salt. Huh. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. 
pretty can't cool. believe so, you didn't have hole in there not a girl's name in the band dude i dated a girl in <laughs> high school named hole all right we'll see you on the other side come out and check us out at libation 6 30 every thursday night maybe i'll buy you a drink maybe i won't you're listening to from the cheap seats from sanford north carolina i was stolen from my parents i was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I told you. It's all hootie, y'all. Gonna make it better. You realize that for the next 48 hours, I'm going to be listening to the Hootie and Blowfish incessantly. Well, I'm already 12 hours up on you, dog. Man. I got some catching up to do. You have to work. I, on the other hand, ain't got nothing to do. I got I got a 45-minute drive. I've got about an hour and a half nap and then another 45-minute drive. I'm ready. More Hootie. All right. All Hootie all the time. Can you, can, can you sync your phone to your car stereo yes see that i i own what i would consider to be a pretty nice car but it's like one year model earlier than that became a thing they don't even have a usb plug they have the usb but the usb plug is of all things in the freaking glove compartment so oh in the glove compartment you can get it refitted now what i need to do is uh have one of those installed. You can't have them installed. Yeah. And I keep thinking about it, but it, it just isn't that big a deal. Well, I, I'm an XM guy anyway, so I listen to XM most of the time. Anyway. I have to plug it in oh, but to you my USB. Sync it Bluetooth. And then, no, I don't. Do, oh, I no. could, but I don't know how. I just sync it through the cord and then change the media uh-huh. and whatever. I can listen to ESPN. That's how I listen to ESPN radio, ah. Spotify, gotcha. iTunes. Hockey games, whatever I want to listen to. Okay. No, I just I have the XM series package and do that. And yeah. I gravitate probably fifty no, nah, probably seventy five percent. Well of don't they have a hootie channel? Song. Uh yeah, but that's not hootie. That's hootie inspired Everybody. music. So you yeah. get a hootie song like once every seven or eight. And I don't know if hootie I don't know if there still is a hootie channel. That's one of those things they kind of do seasonally. Yeah. Where they have artists. Now the one exception to that, if you're looking for a reason to get the XM series package is they do have an Ozzy Osbourne channel, which I, I really... They've had that forever. They do. And I don't want to say this and have people misunderstand it. I don't like Ozzy Osbourne. I yeah. like hard rock, and I like that whole genre, but Ozzy's not one of my favorite artists. But his channel, if you're a fan of rock and roll, is really, really good. Huh. It's a good mix of sort of everything from 80s hair band to classic rock to contemporary. It's not too heavy normally. Um, it's a good channel. It's not bad at all. There's some good ones in the XM repertoire. Um, repertoire. What they need is a from the cheap seats channel. You know, Barstool has a channel on 
on XM now. I know. Why don't they and, have ours? Uh, well, have you listened to Barstool? No. Not going to lie. A little disappointed. Yeah, I'm not. A little disappointed. It's not, you know, it's it's easy to be clever when you're doing it in five-minute clip clips that are going out on the internet. They're not that funny. And I'm not, I'm not trying to talk trash about Barstool. Good for them for what they do. Um, they do what we attempt to do on a much grander scale. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, but the, the channel is it's just not very good. Hmm. Sorry. Well, maybe they can better pick than us ESPN, up. Though. Maybe they could pick us up and put it on there. Uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. We'll work on that. I've got a month without anything to do after I take this uh, exam on Monday. Maybe I'll. Slide into some, some into that. DMs on uh, Barstool? Uh, DMs, it's hard to kind of get anybody's attention. I've put. I've found ways that I've been able to get in touch with a lot of people about a lot of things. DMs don't ever seem to work. Really? And it's just, yeah, it's because Twitter gets buried with – A lot of people doing that. Yeah, I mean, if I look in my DMs, I, I'm, I've got a lot of stuff that's in there, and I just it just all kind of doesn't ever get to the surface. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So, what we haven't talked about, and I don't know how we've managed not to do this. Um, what sports did? Yeah, right. <laughs> did the playoff committee get it right? Uh, in my opinion, for what they had to do, yes. Okay. Because I knew they weren't. I think they were about ready to make a fatal error and put two SEC teams in there again, and I think that would have been a mistake. Uh, UCF, they've been putting us up all year, saying they're not going to get in. I don't agree that Notre Dame should be in since they're not in a conference. But Oklahoma's loss to Texas was a lesser evil than Ohio State losing to Purdue. So, therefore... For what I have to put up with, they did a good job. All right, let me ask you this question. I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole about what ifs. If Notre Dame was not in, if Notre Dame got locked out because they were not playing in a conference, who would be your fourth team, Georgia or Ohio State? Probably Ohio State because I don't – it, they would have had to have been multiple two-loss teams, even though one of them was in the conference championship. Okay, I would have to put Ohio State in there. Now, I want to. I want to tell. I went, did a little bit of research. What about Washington State? Yeah. What about? Or a Pac-12 team? What Are about? they ever going to get into the playoffs? No. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. You no, did not some research. Until, uh, uh, Pete Carroll comes back to USC. No. <laughs> um, here's the thing. This is an interesting year. Um, you've got three undefeated teams in the Final Four, and we talk about ah one lost, one lost team, yeah, one but lost. That happens champion. all the time. No, the undefeated it, teams. No, it doesn't. In the the playoffs, as we know them, have been around since 2015. This is year five. There has only been two undefeated teams that have played in the playoffs through the last four years. We have three what? of them, three of them this year. And when I when I initially set out on this, I was like, oh, well, you know, this maybe this is the first time we've ever had three. And I went back, oh, we've never had two before. Jeez. Three undefeated teams. We're in uncharted territory. And I don't think anybody envisioned this when they put the playoff together. They kind of assumed somebody's going to stub their toe along the way. Should now, have had four undefeated teams, but Well, whatever. you know, had Ohio State not gacked one away against you know, Purdue because Urban Meyer's cyst on his brain was acting up. 
Um, they would. But here's the problem we have. Clemson and Alabama are playing on a different level than the rest of the country. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, those squads, they're good. They're really, really good. Alabama and Clemson, they have stockpiled so much talent, so much NFL size and speed. It's almost an impossibility for somebody to beat them in a game that they're not supposed to play close. You know what I mean? So a should very they good put team. Alabama versus Clemson first? I'd love to see it. Because ultimately, right now, the way that unless something miraculous happens, four straight years of Clemson, Alabama, pretty well, three, four out of yeah. five years, yeah, or three out, of, out of three out of four, three out of four years. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I don't agree so much that Clemson's on that different level. Maybe they've been playing down all year because they don't have as hard of competition in the ACC. Because I don't see it this year. I think that's. I think this is the worst of the best Clemson teams they've had in a while. I think that's fair. I um, think that's fair. But however, I, I think that's fair. However, as much as I am a huge Deshaun Watson fan, what Trevor Lawrence is going to be a year or two from now mm. is frightening. Yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about a generational quarterback playing. We're we're, we're excited about Tua. Oh, Alabama doing it with it. They finally got a quarterback saving out there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. Two is I. Two is not as good as Kyler Murray. Mm-mm. If I had him in a vacuum, I'd take Dwayne Haskins over Tua. That's just me. I think we, we talked about this. I think everybody finally got a chance to see Kyler Murray on a national stage in the Big 12 championship. Yeah. But now – for real, they're going to, get to see him front and center. Two is all right. See what happens when a really great quarterback ends up at a really great program. Because I'm not taking anything away from Tua. He's not garbage. Trevor Lawrence, this kid, as a freshman, has been pretty doggone good. But when you look at the tools, oh, God. What is this kid going to do over the next couple of years, man? When you're talking about a guy that's going to have the best skill position players in the country around him with a defense that's not going to give you more than 14 points on any given week, what is this dude going to do? Woo. Be ready. Alabama's riding this to a train right now. Clemson in the next couple years is going to be something else. Deshaun Watson was a great college quarterback. I don't want to take anything away from him, but Deshaun Watson – if you took both of these kids at the age of 18 years old, it's not even a contest. In fact, I don't know if anybody remembers, Clemson, when Deshaun Watson was pressed into service as a freshman, they had to roll the whole offense back. Yeah. There was very little they could actually do on offense when he first burst onto the scene. A year or two later, he becomes the Deshaun Watson and he's doing his thing, winning a national championship for the Tigers. I'm telling you, Trevor Lawrence is next level. So, Trevor Lawrence, my biggest complaint. Is his hair? Yes. That's all I was going to say, man. Freaking cut your hair, dude. Well, he could do that. Or he could rock some dreads. How cool would that be? <laughs> no. No? 
No. So if you were if you were advising him from a style standpoint, what what kind of cut would you recommend? I don't know, but something I can't see out of the helmet. It's floppy. It's so he looks so like he looks like he does, he belongs barefoot on the beach in California surfing. And and you know what? I assumed when I first saw this kid that he was a California. Yeah, kid. me too. He's from freaking North Georgia. Oh. What? What? No, he's not. He's got to be from like Malibu or something. I promise dude. you that he's Venice from North Beach. Georgia. Golly, Georgia. You know what I'd love next year is for a Clemson Georgia title. I'm telling you, man. I'm all. I'm really man crushing on this from kid. It's his eyebrows. Not just to. because he's freaking pretty. He is pretty. I think he is. He could be a part of this generation of quarterbacks that brings us back to the pocket passers. I'm going to tell you Where something. you rely more on your brain and your football IQ than you do your athletic ability. I think he's – he's. I compare him, like I said, I, I, I compare him to a Peyton Manning because he's – I think he's smarter than he is talented. Interesting, and he's pretty talented. Well, that was always that was always Peyton Manning's number one trait was what was going on between his ears. Um, from, I don't know, man. He's he's got so much talent around him. I wonder how much of it is okay. Fromm's got the tools to play in the NFL, and how much of it is eh, he's Ken Dorsey, where he's just you know orchestrating this with great talent around him. I don't know. I do want to say before we before we get down that before because I'll forget. I want to give kudos to our listeners who told us in advance Oklahoma would be the fourth team in. Oklahoma got 28% of the vote. Ohio State behind them with about 25. Georgia 19, UCF 9. You guys hit it out of the park. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. I think we've already run this one, but I just don't care. Because Trent... I only want to be with you. And for anybody that's out there listening, there's been a dialogue going on about Hootie the Blowfish 
We come from different worlds. How you like to laugh at me when, when I, I look, look at, at other girls? girls. Oh, you don't do dance. I don't sing. I just want to love you, but you want to wear my, my ring. ring. Yeah, oh my God. So I ruined Christmas. What? Yeah. Already? Yep. And in ruining my Christmas, I also think I ruined yours. No! I sent my wife a picture and no caption, just a picture of a Hootie and the Blowfish album cover. And uh, she was like, yeah, thanks, dude. You just ruined Christmas. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I know they're going on tour. And last year, concert tickets are something I get regularly as a present. And yep. I'm at an age where that's good because I don't need ties. If you buy me socks, we're probably going to fight. <laughs> um, my wife and I are live music people. So Bare Naked Ladies was last year's gift, and that was a winner. Not only because B&L was there, but Better Than Ezra was the opener. And we went July 4th. It was an awesome show. Great show. If you haven't gotten a chance to see Bare Naked Ladies live, it's a must-do for music fans. But she told me, I was ruining Christmas. Those tickets have not gone on sale yet. So it's not a done deal yet. But I did tell her, uh, you need to coordinate with Trent's wife so that they can go with us. Dun, so dun, dun. She will follow through on that, I'm sure. And uh, that's probably what you're going to get for Christmas, too. So both yes. of us, Christmas ruined. Are you, a, are you a Christmas surprise guy, or would you just as soon like, be involved in the process? Uh, I am horrible at keeping surprises. What? Yeah, I get so excited about what I do. <laughs> do you really? Yes. Okay, so this year, I decided that we we all like Munford & Sons, so I surprised the family and bought four tickets to the Munford show in March, and I lasted about a week before oh, I told God. my wife. Oh. So, yeah, I don't mind. I like being surprised. But I can't keep it, man. If I'm excited about something, I'm all in. See, I I think here's okay. Now, hopefully, my daughters don't listen to this one episode and then all of a sudden <laughs> they hear it because then they'll know. Surprise! Yeah. You're going to Munford. Surprise! They, will they be able to fake it if they're surprised? No. See, it's funny because my wife and I are both very good at keeping surprises. Yeah. And, and keeping those secrets, which concerns me a little bit. Because I'm like, if there was ever like any infidelity, my wife has a hell of a poker face. Yeah. She does a real good job of that. I think I do too, and I'm able to surprise her. The problem is she does not like surprises at all. Yeah. I've been threatened within an inch of my life. Don't you ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever throw me a surprise party. She's not into that. And she, I said, I'm like sort of a position in my life age-wise and everything else, where I, I don't need anything. I'm not putting together a list. I wish I had this. I wish I yeah. had that. Most of the time, if I want something, I'm I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And my wife, are simpatico, my wife and I are simpatico like that. She doesn't – no. I have to get exactly what she tells me. She'll yeah. send me pictures, everything. And yeah. most times she's like, uh, this is what I want for my birthday – can I go ahead and buy it for myself and save you the trouble? <laughs> because if I go it alone, it's not that I'm a bad gift giver. I think I'm a pretty good gift giver. I think my kids would would agree. 
nobody can buy my wife anything where she's like, oh, my God. Um, just doesn't work that way. So I don't know what I'm going to get her for Christmas. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish tickets would not be appropriate for her. That's something that should be like, oh, yeah, I'll go because you're going to enjoy it. But she's not a huge fan. Yeah, that's how my um, wife was. She has, though, never gotten to see him. And I've seen him a couple of times. So it is one. And, and as we sort of check off the blocks, we ask each other every time we leave a concert, okay, who do we want to see next? And normally that's sort of driven by the fact that we're getting older and a lot of these acts are sort of pivoting off of the scene and things yeah. like that. And then there's some bands that are out there that I've never seen that are so old. I'm like, eh, that's never going to happen. The Stones? No. Good. Beatle or Paul McCartney? Nah. No. Um, Elton John is one that is actually on my list. I'd still like to see Elton John. I'd also like to see Stevie Wonder, even though those guys are way past the tail ends. Yeah, of their I don't careers. even. Does Stevie Wonder even play? Yeah, a show Stevie. Anymore? Stevie still plays. In fact, he announced during the whole um, uh, what was the bathroom controversy, SB one or whatever yeah, it was. That he wouldn't. He come announced here to he North would Carolina. not play North Carolina yeah, until it was repealed. It's Pearl repealed. Jam I haven't seen. I haven't seen any. Pearl Jam did that to us. Two days That's before right. the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about so that. I was so disappointed. Yeah, thanks for protesting Later. and making it hard for the legislature. You just screwed me on this. I yeah. built my whole schedule around going to see you guys. Whatever, Eddie Vedder, we don't care. Yeah. You're not relevant anymore. Speaking of bands that put out great first albums and never hit again. Um, Pearl Jam. Oh, my God. Ten. Oh, what an album. Yeah. And I know there's people out there, for some people, Pearl Jam has sort of turned into our generation's Grateful Dead. Yeah. Where they're like, I just want to go and I want to hear the guys jam, blah, blah. No, well, thanks. You could go, they could get together. If they would play 10 cover to cover, I would be happy. There's a handful of good songs that came since then, but 10 is an amazing, amazing piece of music. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things like you were talking about with uh, Counting Crows, where they weren't together for years and years and years. Eddie Vedder was like added to the band as they were recording the album, and it was an amazing piece of magic that they produced. So the, that's your homework. Pyromania by Def Leppard, 10 by Pearl Jam. I think in any list that I were compiling, you know, I don't know if you do the, the sort of deserted island lists where you're like, this is the albums I'd take, or yeah. these are the movies I'd take. Those two albums probably in my top 10 all time. Um, interesting. Yeah. Here's a thought, since we're talking about music. I was considering doing this, but I want your blessing first. Because of the assembled mass here that sit at this table at any particular time, you are the most active on social media. Here's what I propose. I want to take 64 great things and play them off via Twitter polls. Hmm. So, so we'll like a March Madness bracket. Absolutely. Okay. And, and it will be a perpetual thing where we start with, say, 64 great rock albums. Yeah. Or 64 great rappers. Or 64 candy types. Yeah. Play them off until we have a champion. That'd be pretty cool. Will it? Yeah. All right. What, like, have, like, what, once a week? Um, I think what we'd have to do is do, like, because it could take forever. If we stretch it out and do like, um, I don't know, three days around and do like four a day or four for three days at a time and then move to the next group and break it out. And I mean, it's not like there's rules. We don't have 
set it out there. Um, yeah, I think I'll get to work on that. I told you I have a month after yeah, Monday's final. I need everybody out there. I'm not a very religious man. I would consider myself to be spiritual. Um, I have a final on Monday that I am not looking forward to. Um, I'm going to need all your prayers to to God, the Virgin Mary, to Krishna, Buddha. This has turned Muhammad, into that moment in whomever. It's a Wonderful Life where oh God. they scroll up and all of Bedford Falls is, please, God. <laughs> Let George, let George get through this. Oh, God. Please, let Chris pass his final, Lord. All My, of the saving grace is that, is that this semester. George Bailey needs help. Chris, this semester Chris I took 13 hours. Help. This particular class that is going to cause me all of this headache for the next five, six days as I study for this final is only one credit hour worth. Oh. The problem with it is, is I'm like, all right, well, even if I get an F, the, the detriment to my GPA is minimal. The problem is if I get an F, I got to sit through it again, and I don't uh, want to do that. You I won't think, get an F. I think I have achieved a point in this semester where I am flunk-out proof, I think, even though that is still on the table for everybody that's taken finals. And they have – it's funny. They told us early on in the process, you know, your grades take a while to come back to you. I figured it out. The finals process at law school is like a three-week ordeal. Look, I know the finals I took a couple weeks ago are graded, but I also understand why you're not giving my grades. I get it. I 100% they don't. They mind. want you to take seriously the Dude, rest of the finals. Absolutely. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, all of us that are in law school, there's some of us are smarter than others. There's a lot of people smarter than me. All of us are at least a little good at math, and we would know, oh, I'm safe. I'm good. You have to have – This a, one doesn't matter. You have to have a 1.5 to continue on to the second semester. At the end of the second semester, you have to have a 2.0. If you don't meet those thresholds, it's non-negotiable. You go home. And you have to wait a year before you can apply to get back in. And law school ain't cheap. What happens if you get cut? If After I don't make the cut, I, I don't know, man. I told my wife, I will. I don't know if I'd be able to function. And I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling good about it. But I look at it and I'm like, ah. There have been some times in my life where I thought, I'm good. And I'm then, good. I smoked that. Like, what the heck? Yeah. The worst one, man, was I was in the Army at the Primary Leadership Development Course. It's a, it's a rite of passage for everybody. To go from E4 to E5, you have to go to PLDC. And the 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 line is land navigation. And I went through and I was a accomplished land navigator. I could reconnoiter. And we went through the this course leading up to it, and they kept telling us, do not dog leg, do not dog leg, do not dog leg, do not dog leg. And by what we mean by dog leg is they give you at the start of the course of five, they give you a starting point, and then they give you five distant points to walk out and find. And there's a number on these points. There's like 85 of them out on the course. I'll finish that thought when I come back. I promise it's interesting. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out at social on, on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Love you guys. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. 
Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. So the year is probably 1993, I think. I don't know, something like that. And We'd done all this land navigation training to go do this, and and I had a little bit more background with it than some other folks did, but they told us don't dogleg. Now, you have a starting point. You have these five points out on this course that you have to go find, and some of them are, you know, mile and a half out that you have to navigate to. Well, the prescribed method for this is to go to a point, then come back to the start point, go to the next point, come back, because that way – if you miss a point and you get the wrong one, you're coming back to the start point, so you still have a good chance to get the next one. If you dogleg it, what people do, and they're like, I'm not walking 10 miles today. I'm going to go out to this first point, and then from that point, I'm going to shoot and go to the next point and the next point and all the subsequent points after that. That's called doglegging because it takes you in a circular or, or loop-type route um, instead of you know back and forth. And, of course, I'm a hard head. I'm just like, yeah, don't dog leg. Yeah, okay, whatever. So I'm like the first person finished. And I can remember there were about 150 people in my class. And we got back, and we were at the at the meeting spot, and the cadre came out, and they were like, all right, the following soldiers, step forward. And they started, and they were like, specialist to Lambert. I was like, yeah. And I walked out, and they called two names behind me, and they were like, the rest of you, congratulations. It was the worst moment of my life. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Why, because you dog-legged? Yeah, I failed. I missed one of those points along the way. You had to get four out of the five. And it's somewhere along the line. I mean, it's been, I don't know, 30 years ago. I don't remember exactly. But, uh, yeah, I failed land navigation the first time at, at PLDC, and I had never failed at anything and I thought for certain, this is too easy. I got this. And I failed. Oof. And while everybody celebrated, it was like a national championship. And I'm standing there and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I had to go back out there a week later and redo the course. And it was me and, you know, three other people out there <laughs> doing it on this. And guess what? I didn't dog like. I did what I was supposed to do. Did you reek like an otter? Did I? Who? What? What did you say earlier? I can reek, reek an, an otter. otter. Oh, I was like, man, I reek like an otter. What is yeah. that, like fish smell? No. So, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at with this whole law school thing is I feel good about it, and I'm yeah. like, I got this. But I do understand you're never safe until you're safe. Well, see, but if so. you didn't have that experience of failing that one time, you would be still very confident, and potentially you could drop the ball now. That's true. I don't think you will. I don't. I hope that I don't. Right. I mean, I've invested a, a significant amount to this. The other thing that I got going for me is I've been all right up to this point without having a law school degree. If I were to flunk out, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I've still got other things. You'd I You'd have do. to give back that three million Oof, I gave you to God, be a lawyer. Man, that would suck. 
Yeah. Mm, I don't want to do that. But the cheap seats would still pay you. No, I would be. It would be mortifying to me. And it wouldn't be anything where I'm like, this is what I have to do with my future and I have to have this degree. It would be the failure piece. And, um, you know, I think it's anything. I think people that have a sporting background have an advantage because nobody, unless you're Kyler Murray and you win four state championships in high school football, you understand what failure looks like and what it feels like. So I'm never able in any circumstance to get too confident because I know until the – Clock hits double zero, you you never know what you're going to get. Well, not to go down this wormhole, but whole. Uh-oh. I mean, nowadays kids don't know what it's like to lose, mm, even in sports. So when everybody whatever. gets trophies and yep. they don't count, they don't keep scoring yeah. in soccer anymore, yeah, and the yeah. rest of that. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for it, and I think that we'll see things are generational. I think we'll see a pivot back. Um, if you want greatness. It's a process. You have to learn to be great. I mean, what did they motivate me growing up? Michael Jordan didn't even make his basketball team as a freshman. Which wasn't a true statement. You know, never and so, has been. But that's sold thing. a lot of Gatorade though. You know, you you fail, so you have to work harder to make it. You know, you use that as an analogy. So well, I I think the other piece to of that too people. though, I, I take that message differently. Because I think that there are kids out there who are like, Oh, well, Michael Jordan didn't even make it as a freshman. You know, I've got time. No, you don't. You don't have time. You don't get these years back. When you're in high school in particular, the things that you're going to do the rest of your life, the die is being cast. You've got to figure it out. And you don't have to lock into a particular career path. But what I try to teach my kids, and some have learned better than others, continue to make decisions that give you choices. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to end up at some point doing what somebody else wants you to do or what you need to do as opposed to what you want to do. Yeah. And I think there's a life lesson there. But that said, what the Carolina Panthers decided they wanted to do was fire half their coaching staff. I'm trying to figure out if they fired the right coach. Dave Tepper, the the new owner of the Carolina Panthers – has got to be losing patience with Ron Rivera and Cam Newton. Riverboat Ron, is this the beginning of the end? And, yeah, did they fire the right coach? Why get rid of all these coordinators right now instead of waiting until the end of the year and cleaning full house? Well, the the other piece of that, too, though, is, is my question is if I look at the Panthers this year versus the Panthers the last five or six years, which includes a Super Bowl appearance, the difference is not on offense. This has never been an offensive juggernaut. Plus, you subtract Greg Olson. That team is a different team with Greg Olson healthy on the field. Yeah. Always has been. But the difference is the front seven. Carolina is a team that whose front seven has always been monstrous. Great linebackers, great defensive line play. It's not there. This is a team that gave up 52 points to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. This defense is not what it once was. Ron Rivera, for all of his good and bad traits, is a defensive coach, period. I don't get the firings on the offensive side of the ball. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think that if Carolina didn't get this ship righted and at least make a serious push where they come down to the last week of the season in the playoff picture, I think it's the end of the boat for Ron. Yeah. Tepper's there. Tepper wants to put his stamp on this team. Um, he seems to me to be a guy that's not an egomaniac, but certainly a guy that wants to be recognized as the cat that's in charge. Ron Rivera is the person at this point that's synonymous with that team. And, you know, 
being in charge of it. Tepper came in, you know, the Jerry Richardson era. Richardson, one of the most highly esteemed owners in all of professional sports. I think it's a chance for him to make a move. And in a day and age where we're watching guys like Sean McVay, maybe he's trying to find that next great cat to make a splash. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think – I think that what they need is to move on. I mean, uh, we've talked about it in length about shelf life with coaches, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think you just get to a point where a fresh start, you know, would I automatically say, well, what about McCarthy from Green Bay? Bring him in. No, that's not the answer. You know, you're going to go through your struggles. You know, the the whole recycling of former coaches is funny to me. Well, he's going to get a job. Somebody's going to hire him. Sure he will. I mean – I told a Redskins fan last night that Jay Gruden's going to end up back with the Bengals next year. Not as the head coach, but they're all going to get the team back together. That's interesting. You're going to have Hugh Jackson and Gruden running the offense. Well, here's the thing. And uh, Marvin Lewis will be up in the the desk, the uh, front office. I'd feel better about that if Andy Dalton were the offensive coordinator and somebody else were playing quarterback. (laughs) The the thing with Jay Gruden, I think Jay Gruden gets a pass this year. How – I need I need you to answer one question. He saved me. with the broken leg. You're the professor. You're the smart guy in this building. <laughs> How in the blue hell did this set of circumstances arrive where Mark Sanchez is going to be the starting quarterback for a team that was willing to sign Reuben Foster and Colin Kaepernick is sitting at the house? How is that even possible? If this was a different team... And they were down to their third or fourth quarterback. Colin Kaepernick might not be in play, but you're talking about a team that's a week and a half removed from signing Reuben Foster. Mm-hmm. He of the multiple charges, but they won't take a flyer on Colin Kaepernick. They're going to roll out Mark Sanchez? My only concern now with Kaepernick, this has been a long it time. It has. But what nobody's kind of even brought shape? him in for a workout. When you look at the cast of characters they brought in, um, hey, the Kellen Bengals Clemens, signed TJ Yates, Tom Savage. Oh my God! Yeah, why? I, I mean, I just, I, I just think, don't get it. I'm just worried because Kaepernick. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. What kind he's done? How long it would take? Would it be? Is there enough time to get him back into game shape? I'm gonna tell you like this, Trent. I and don't they care. didn't when they signed Sanchez, he was just supposed to hold a clipboard. Oh, I, I hear you. You can't plan on a broken leg for McCoy. I got you, but the list of the list of quarterbacks that they're bringing in includes TJ Yates. Yeah. TJ Yates has been a very bad quarterback for a very long time in the NFL. Kellen Clemens. Are, are you kidding me? No. Come on, man. And I guess everybody's sort of trying to trying to capture lightning in a bottle like Minnesota did with with Case Keenum. I, I don't I don't know. I think uh, it is now going instead of putting damage to that NFL team. I think we are all at a point now where every time a quarterback gets signed, we're all like, "What about Colin Kaepernick?" I, I, I think now whoever signs them, it's whether he plays or not is going to be that hero. I think that we've moved past it. I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. And I think it's, to your point, two years gone is probably not a thing. It is a very long time. But it just is funny to me that a team that was willing to take the PR hit 
for signing Reuben Foster didn't even bring Kaepernick in for a visit. That, to me, is bizarre. Now, that said, Kareem Hunt, and I want to make sure everybody's clear on what exactly happened. I know we've only got a few minutes left. February this past year, he got a new apartment in Cleveland at a place called The Nines. He was having a housewarming party. A couple girls show up underage. He's like, you got to go. They put him out. Those girls, one of them in particular, 19 years old, banging on his door, trying to get back in. A couple of times they told him, you need to get out. You need to leave. Wouldn't leave. Finally, Kareem himself comes out in the hallway. They get into it. Apparently, she drops a couple racial racial epithets. Um, he tries to get at her. Can't. One of his friends is holding him. He tosses his friend into her, knocks her on the ground. He walks up to her and halfway kicks her. Not trying to discount the fact that he did kick her. Goes back inside. The police are called. Police respond, say, this is a misdemeanor argument, whatever. Y'all go about your business. Oh, forgot. The girl that was banging on the door had been given money to get an Uber to go home. Um, So, police are called. They respond. Uh, They file a report, but it's a misdemeanor. They don't follow up on it. Nothing. The tape that you have seen, the film that's out there, police never saw. They never followed up on it. There wasn't anything they were actively investigating. The team finds out about it. Kareem Hunt tells them nothing happened. It just, you know, little 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 argument, whatever the case might be. Yeah, fast the police to, were there, everything. Yeah. Good. Nothing fast, big. No fast big forward deal. to, yeah, I didn't get arrested. Nobody was charged. Yeah. You know, no problem. Chiefs take that at face value. Fast forward to June. Kareem and a couple of his friends get into an altercation in a bar with a guy. Kareem Hunt may or may not have punched the guy in the face. The NFL gets wind of that. The NFL now even a week a week ago, was actively investigating that to see if any action needed to be taken about Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt tells a story. The Chiefs don't know what that story was. This video drops. The Chiefs recognize Kareem Hunt lied about everything that happened. We are not going the way of Ray Rice. You're gone. Just that simple. Kudos, I think, to the Chiefs. There is a possibility that you could argue they overreacted. But I think in this day and age of Me Too and the the backlash against you know violence against women, I applaud what they did. Mm-hmm. My question, keeping in mind that New England owns the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, are the Chiefs at nine and two, or excuse me, ten and two, still the favorites in the AFC with the with the Patriots looming at nine and three? No, that was simple. Let me tell you, they got past a bad, bad, bad Oakland team this weekend. Barely. Kareem Hunt, as good as Patrick Mahomes has been, Kareem Hunt is a difference maker for that team. The Patriots, who are unbeatable at home in the playoffs, are going to get home field advantage. You heard it here first. Thanks for hanging out. Check us out on social media. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.